bitches wobble goo with the green tea. Let me in. And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Studying, studying, studying. Here comes Cooper onto that outside move again. Cooper, outside. Can he pull the move? Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside. Never seen that done through Mosses. And look at the run that Matt Cooper has. Hey, 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 everybody. How are you? Welcome back. It is Rumble Stripper Radio, episode number 26, where you are on pole position for news, commentary, and opinion, and interviews. In the world of motorcycle road racing, as always, I am your host, The Duke, and it is uh, with pleasure that I sit back down at the mic to chew the fat with you here on Rumble Stripper Radio. Apologize for no show last week, but... Uh, Got the call from ESPN to do some more work for them. Yes, it was the WNBA Finals, but hey, it was a few days worth of work. It was good cash, and just because the just because the game is brutal doesn't mean the paycheck does has to be right. So, good stuff. Um, so, no show last week, and I, and like I said, I do apologize for that. But uh, a lot of good stuff to come at you this week, and uh, some extra stuff to come at you this week. So. The website, as always, www.rumblestripradio.com. Contact information, you can reach us here. And that is rumblestripradio at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always subscribe not only on the website, uh, but through iTunes and uh, Odeo and Podnova and everywhere else you can find podcasts out there in the uh, in the interwebs. Um, you can subscribe to Rumble Strip Radio, and I would encourage you to do so. That way you know when the next episode comes out, typically every week, uh, unless something comes up. So uh, hello to all of our new listeners. We've had, um, you know, ever since the Josh Hayes interview, we've had uh, quite a few new listeners pop in. And uh, thank you for stopping in, and thank you for sticking around, and uh, more good stuff come at you. So a lot of good stuff over the past uh, past week to 10 days, including some great racing. Um, but before we get to all of the, all the great racing that was this weekend in MotoGP and in World Superbike to, you know, some really great races. And in MotoGP, not only just the uh, Premier Class, but the 250 uh, race was, uh, was quite good as well. Uh, let's talk about what is going on in the world of motorcycle road racing and, uh, you know, news, rumors, and all kinds of good stuff like that. Uh, the big news is coming out today uh, is that the rumored move by Tommy Hayden to uh, Yoshimura is pretty much a done deal. Uh, while both uh, Road Racing World and uh, what whatever Dean's calls the site this, these days, uh, what is it, amasuperbike.com, um, while they have not been able to confirm the move, their quote unquote sources close to the uh, close to the action. Uh, Say that uh, Tom uh, Tom Hayden to Yosh is a done deal. So uh, T Hayden or uh, T Baby or whatever you want to call him, number twenty two uh, is moving over to uh, to the Yosh bike to take. Uh, uh, hello, there we go. Double A A Rod A Ron Double A Ron. Yes, Yatesy is uh, off and probably to the Jordan team. So uh, Tommy Hayden going to be taking that uh, taking that seat. Um, switching over to, uh, you know, the World Superbike MotoGP arena. Uh, James Toslin has signed for one more year with Tenkate. Um, sort of a surprise move given all the noises that were being made on, on both sides with, uh, with Toslin saying he's going to MotoGP and Tenkate not really making a move to re-sign him until, you know, like the 11th hour. And then all of a sudden just comes like, oh, we're talking to him. It's a done deal. So uh, apparently the deal with uh, 
with Dantine it wasn't coming together like he wanted. I, I don't I, again I haven't heard the details and uh my guys uh that I talked to in MotoGP, they've been a little busy traveling here the last uh oh ten days or so. So um we'll we'll get the news from you on what uh, what broke down there. And and speaking of writers not headed to Dantine, it looks like uh the Roman Emperor Max Biaggi is uh, all all but a done deal to go to the uh all star team in World Superbike, and I would have to guess that they're going to have a three-rider team next year. Um, you got to imagine that Corsair is going to be back. Kagiyama is is the Suzuki guy and has really, really come around here the second half of the season. I mean, he did win race one here this past weekend at Lausitz Ring, which we uh, want to talk more about. Um, you know, swept both rounds at, uh, at Brno, uh, and has really, you know, the first half of the season was just brutal for him. Uh, but really has turned it around here. So you got to believe he'll be back. So, uh, so, you know, so where does that leave Dantine? They went from, you know, potentially being a, a pretty strong team next year with some, uh, with some new sponsors coming in to, I don't know, they're almost sitting in the same spot they were with the exception of, um, you know, they'll have better tires next year. Uh, so that's, that's rough for that crew. Um, so, you know, from, from the people that I know over there, it's a good team, a good group of guys. They work their asses off. They've got solid bikes. Um, you know, apparently they've got the bike that uh, Caparossi and, and Jeeber now ride. Their their bike is not that much different. It is a 2006 spec bike uh, with the exception of running on Dunlops and yeah, a few, I'm sure a few other minor tweaks there. And, you know, I guess the, one of the other big factors besides tires is, you know, the quality of the riders. Now, as we've talked about before, Cardoso brings cash with him and uh, that's always important when you're talking about uh, high dollar that it costs to run in moto gp um you know and 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 um with uh with alex hoffman i'm sure that uh, you know he brought a little sponsorship with him and plus uh germany is such a big uh big market for for moto gp and, and a very important market for dorna with with tv rights uh, i'm sure they might be sliding a few uh few pesos their way uh, with Hoffman to stay on that bike as well. So uh, we'll, ha- we'll have to see what slides out for, for next year. Um, kind of a big, you know, kind of disappointing, actually, because you were looking for, you know, if uh, if Toslin and Biaggi ended up on that bike, you're looking for all of a sudden uh, guys you expect to finish, you know, between 16th and 19th, all of a sudden on, on that bike, all of a sudden now you're thinking – Here's a couple guys could be running, you know, at or near the top ten, inside the top ten even, which you know mixes it up a little more and makes it much more interesting. But unless uh, some big things happen here over the next couple months, uh, they're going to be looking to be in the same position. However, with the uh, sponsors they do have uh, money coming in, they will be around. They'll be able to lease bikes and everything. But hmm, it's kind of a kind of a rough deal for them, which is uh, which is unfortunate considering we know uh, someone on the team. Also coming out today, uh, over from uh, Road Racing World is is um, is reporting that Matt Maladin is going to be shutting down uh, Matt Maladin Motorsports, the race team, uh, for 07. Uh, just I guess they're not getting the sponsorship or the help that they were looking for, and um, given that Matt is probably going to want to refocus heavily for uh, for 07, given what's happened this year. Um, that distraction or, or that extra, I can't, you can't call it a distract. Well, it, it's in some ways it is a distraction. Otherwise it's just, it's just work. Um, he's probably going to focus a hundred percent on the team, on his team at Yosh and making sure that that crew comes together the way he wants, the way the bike, he wants the bike to come together, the way that he wants himself to come together for next year. And, um, you know, that's just one less thing for him to deal with. So we'll see. I mean, he and, uh, and Craig are buddies and I'm sure he's going to help Craig will find a ride somewhere. Um, whether it's in the AMA or, you know, back home in Australia or, or where that ends up, it's it's hard to say. Um, but uh, Mad Eyes, Mad Eyes, Craigle will not be racing for Maladin next year. How will he be? You know, we'll probably see him around in the paddock in some capacity, but you know, hard to say where that where that will go. Uh, also reported that Chaz Chaz Davies, uh, former 250 Moto, MotoGP 250 rider. Uh, the 19-year-old kid from England is going to be in the U.S. for the last Mid Ohio round. Um, the Celtic Racing crew is picking him up for that one race. 
Um, maybe with the idea of running him next year here in the U.S. Uh, all reports are that Chaz Davies is is a good talent, and uh, just nothing has worked out for him uh, on in the 250 scene in Europe, uh, in the MotoGP level, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, seems like a good kid. I've heard him do uh, a little commentary here and there on the Moto G on the uh, MotoGP uh, television cast, or, or you know, the MotoGP feed that you pay for on on MotoGP.com that we get here in the U.S. On Speed Channel with the uh, lovely Nick Harris. Don't go. <laughs> this came up on the Ride on Two forum. If you Google Nick Harris, I think for I think they said fourth on the the fourth thing in Google is uh, is the thread on Ride on Two about what it, what an atrocious job that Nick Harris does um, calling MotoGP. But hey, when he's got you know one of the main contracts for MotoGP, well there you go. When you when you own the contract for the for the main announcing crew, you get to do what you want to do, right? And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the wonderful job that Nick Harris did this past weekend for the uh, Malaysia Grand Prix, especially on lap one of the MotoGP race, right? Other rumors floating around is uh, Jamie Hacking with a possible move to Kawasaki to take uh, Tommy Hayden's seat, and um, you. Whether or not that's going to happen or not, it's hard to say. Um, Yamaha may have a first right of refusal on his uh, on his contract uh, to make any move, sort of like Honda did with Nick Hayden when uh, Nick was going to go from uh, Honda here in the U.S. and ride on the uh, Yamaha MotoGP team. And then Honda said, well, we, we have first right of refusal, so um, I guess we'll put on one of our teams. And I'll be in the Repsol team, and we've seen what happens there. Well, same thing may happen to Jamie Hacking. Now he's won two championships this year, obviously Super Stock and Super Sport, and uh, you know there's been talk back and forth uh, whether he does or doesn't want to. You know, he'd like to go ride Superbike again, I'm sure, um, but does he want to start in a sense start over in in that it's going to be a bike that has to be developed from scratch? Um, where if he were to move to Kawasaki and ride Superbike. It's not as far along as I'm sure that he'd want, but at least it has some development um, that's been happening to the bike. So we'll see what happens there. Um, if I had to take a guess, I'm going to say that Jamie's going to end up staying at Yamaha, um, defending defending both Super Stock and Super Sport, and then uh, who knows, maybe gets to ride a few, a few Super Bike races. Like, for example, probably ride Super Bike at Daytona. Um, Superbike at Laguna if they do another combined ride with uh, with MotoGP or combined round with MotoGP and you know maybe one other thing I don't know pure pure speculation on that part um, we may hear a little bit more from that later in the episode though <clears throat> um, what else going on ah this weekend also on top of the uh, Phillip Island round for MotoGP uh, sort of a big event, what's what's becoming a big event here in the U.S., and that is the Willow Springs 200 is going to be this weekend out in, uh, out in California. I say becoming a big event because you can go out and win that race and um, in one race win more prize money than you can in, I don't know, three, four seasons of winning races um, in the AMA, as far as prize money is concerned, I'm not talking about contract bonuses and stuff like that. I'm just talking um, actual prize money. Uh, usually, prize money for winning a superbike race is anywhere between what three and five thousand dollars. Woohoo! Um, granted, these are factory guys, so they don't, you know, they're getting paid other ways. Um, but uh, win the Willow Springs 200, and it's fifty grand, which is that's a ton of cash. Um, I don't think Josh Hayes is going to be running it this year for for some obvious reasons. He's got a Formula Extreme championship to win, and I don't think he's going to want to risk that. I'm sure that his championship bonus from Honda for winning uh, Formula Extreme is going to be much greater than the fifty grand that he could win um, at Willow Springs. Now, in the past, when in the past few years, when he's riding for uh, for the Attack Kawasaki crew, uh, and they put him out on the bike, um, he's he's won. So, but um, probably not this year. So we could look for. Uh, I don't know, maybe a local hot shoe out in Willow Springs uh, to do something. Who knows? Chuck Graves may, uh, may uh, excuse me, blow the dust off the leathers and whip out one of the one of his bikes and uh, and try to do the business out there. Jeremy Toy, a lot of a lot of local hot shoes out that way. 
Um, a lot of the privateers who run in the AMA series probably be out there as well. I mean, then fifty grand—that's that's a lot of that's a lot of cash. Um, so we'll see. And then, of course, Rich Oliver makes his um, once a year return to racing to race in the uh, fifty mile two fifty race, and then I guess he's going to be racing in the two hundred as well on his two fifty. So we will have to see how that shakes out. Um, obviously, we'll not be attending that race. Although I hear it is a pretty good time out there, even though it is the middle of the Mojave Desert, just a couple miles down the road from uh, uh, Edwards Air Force Base, which been out there for the, when the AMA ran a couple years, and eh, it is what it is out there. So, uh, pretty much wraps up the uh, the news segment. There was a um, a couple things floating around on on some different message boards. I was going to touch on um, the one thing I really want to touch on. Uh, I think I mentioned last time that I want to get to is. Um, class structure for the AMA and what a what needs to be done there. And I think I'm going to do that next week. Um, I'm going to hold off on commentary this week because we've got some news, we've got uh, the races to talk about, and then as, as I said, we've got a little something special happening in this show, which we'll uh, give you a little hint here on the, on the other side. But uh, let's, uh, let's hear from some of the boys out there, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, the Malaysian GP. Calling all Canadians. Do you ride a bike on the back of a bike or daydream about either one? Do you like to lumber along on a Sunday morning or scrape your pegs in the twisties? Do you like to dodge sand dunes or ford rivers? Well, if you answered yes to any of the above, then why not give a listen to the Twisted Wrist podcast? The Twisted Wrist is the first podcast dedicated to the Canadian rider from a Canadian perspective. So why not toss on your jacket and gloves, lace up your boots, strap on your lid, and plug into the Twisted Wrist? Your ticket to Northern Adventure is at twistedwrist.blogspot.com. The Twisted Wrist, podcasting with a mouthful of bugs. 240 horsepower, 200 miles per hour, two wheels with no roll cage. This is the world of motorcycle road racing, the pinnacle of motorsport. I'm Bob Hayes, host of MotoGP OD, the podcast about motorcycle road racing. Tune in each week as we discuss what's happening in MotoGP, World Superbike, and AMA racing. Race reports, tech talk, opinion, reader email, we have it all. Just go to www.motogpod.com and subscribe. All right, so speaking of MotoGPOD, and uh, hope Bob is uh, doing well off on his uh, tour of duty in the reserves. I think he is wrapping up, uh, going through uh, his training down in, uh, I think he's in Gulfport, Mississippi, to be honest with you, uh, for the Naval Reserve. And then he is, I think he'll be off to... I can't remember if it's Iraq or Afghanistan for uh, for possibly a year, but uh, I haven't heard from Bob in a little bit, so uh, we'll have to send the uh, send the word out and get uh, get get an update from Bob. But uh, Jim Race doing a great job over there at uh, MotoGPOD, and uh, I think this new episode just came out here the other day for those guys. So, but anyways, uh, Malaysian GP this past weekend um, that was an absolutely epic race. From MotoGPOD, hey, 250 race was pretty good too, and we'll get to that here in just a just a couple seconds. But um, yeah, you want to you want to talk about a great race, uh, especially the back half of that race. Um, you know, the doctor and uh, Caparex just put on a show. It's one of those tapes, maybe not the greatest race of the year, but certainly one of the better races of the year. And and it's one of those ones where you, when you want to show someone what motorcycle racing is about what MotoGP is about, why it is so much better than NECCAR or IRL or, you know, whatever. You pull out a tape like this and, and you watch these guys who are absolute masters on, them, on their machines, um, sliding it here and there where they need to, um, you know, as they said, more passing in one lap than an entire season of Formula One. is about the only uh, valid comment that Nick Harris made all, all race long. But, um, I mean, okay, let me, let me get my Nick Harris rant out of the way early, okay? When you start a race, oh, all right, I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. And I stress the word little bit of slack and for this. And this is just because I've been working for ESPN uh, for a few weeks now and, and just pay attention to how things are done and how shots are done and, and things like that. The lenses they had on the cameras for that race sucked. And I say they sucked for this reason. Everything, all the action seemed like it was 10 miles away. 
Now, part of that is the way the track is set up um, with the distance between where the camera positions are and where the action goes, with the exception of a couple jib shots. Now, for those of you who don't understand what a jib shot is, um, about halfway through or a third of the halfway through um, the lap, you'll see uh, kind of a tracking shot, like a high high shot that's very close, and it kind of tracks them through the corner. And then the shot after that, you see this big, long black arm kind of making a move. Well, that's that's a camera jib. They put a camera on this thing, and it allows you to to move smoothly, move with a flow, uh, go up and down at some angles and stuff like that. So literally the jib shots were the only close shots that you had to see the detail of the bikes. And that was that's one of the few things uh, that I had issue with it is – um, they needed longer lenses on the camera. And it's a very technical thing, but it also does take away from uh, from the experience of the race. Because if you know who's out there, that's great, but sometimes a little hard to see. And that's where I'm going to cut Nick Harris just the tiniest bit of slack. But I'm going to take away that slack almost immediately for this reason. At the beginning of the race, he kept talking about Nicky Hayden in the lead. And yeah, Nick Hayden was up here, and this is what he needed to do. Kentucky kid, blah, 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 blah. Gotcha. Except for this one problem. If you watched the start of the race, you knew that the Hobbit was on row one and the kid was on row two. And if you watched the beginning of the race, you didn't see someone from row two make the move up into row one, you know, into the lead. It was all row one. It was Caparex. It was Rossi. And it was the Hobbit. And the Hobbit led, you know, that first part of the lap. And it took Nick Harris half a lap to figure that out. Inexcusable. Sorry. Inexcusable. If you are the lead announcer for the race series and you can't get that shit right, time to go, buddy. Time to go. Give me the Eurospeed, the, uh, the Eurosport feed. That's, uh, oh, it's Julian Ryder and, and um, Randy Mamola, and I can't remember who the third uh, third part of that is. Now, um, Mark Brax seems like a good guy. I think he's done. He does a pretty good job. So we can keep Mark Brax, but we got to get rid of Nick Harris, okay? Sorry. Got to go, Nick. Bye. Um, take the glory in getting all the cash from Dorna for doing that, but you're going to have to spend a little bit of that cash and bring someone else in to announce. I'll do it. I don't cost that much money. Granted, there's a thousand other people lined up in front of me, but I'll throw my hat in the ring. Hey, what the hell, right? Um, before we really get into the details of the race, um, obviously everyone knows about how screwed up qualifying got um, with the torrential downpour that happened on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, really. You know, it messed up uh, 250 uh, qualifying um, or at least second qualifying, and then obviously uh, for MotoGP qualifying, I, uh, I logged on to to go watch it, and I see that you know stuff's been delayed an hour and a half, and then it got pushed back, and then finally canceled, which I was a little bummed out at. Um, but what do you do, right? So they decided to take the times from the third free practice to uh, to use that to set the grid, and. Semi-controversial in the fact that in the rules it does say that free practice is the timing in free practice can't be used f- to set a grid. But what other way did they have to set it? Well, they could have set it to points, um, which is originally how I thought they were going to do it when I heard that uh, that qualifying got washed out. But apparently they just used times from uh, from the third practice. And um, Here's where a little racecraft from Valentino Rossi worked out in that they threw a Q tire on in the, in the third practice, set a time, and then that was good enough to keep them, uh, you know, put that put him on the pole. Uh, I guess huge, huge props are going to have to go out to the Hobbit for the whole weekend. I mean, if 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 you haven't seen the video for this kid getting high sided from Friday, I mean, it literally looked like a moonshot. Now, some of that was the perspective of the camera. I mean, it's a very, you know, it's almost a fisheye lens on that camera, which gives you a very wide perspective and, you know, messes things up a little bit from uh, how you look at it. And, uh, you know, and the bike was leaned over at about an 80-degree angle when it happened. But uh, you literally saw this. 
you know, it, it spun, hooked, and kicked him off, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, where's Danny? Oh, he's way out of, way out of the camera shot up in the air. And uh, nasty crash, coming down, banging his knee, gashed it wide open, and, uh, and was dealing with that all weekend. Um, the fact that he was able to do what he was able to do is, is really incredible. I mean, you look at the, at the morning warm-up times, and he's at, you know, what, next to last or third to last um, for times, yet when it comes to race time, he he screwed it on and did what he had to do. Um, it was kind of funny in 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 a perverse kind of manner to watch the you know as they're getting ready to go out for the race and you see that uh, Danny they got this box set up for him that's you know twelve inch high box uh, excuse me thirty centimeter tall box uh, just so he can get on the damn bike but you know when he doesn't have a whole lot of use of a, of his leg to to bend and, and, you know, climb up on the bike, you got to make it as easy as they can for him, right? But, uh, I mean, it, you know, and then some of that, some of the credit has to go to Dr. Costas and that whole uh, Clinica Mobile uh, crew uh, for getting him race ready. I'm sure he took a couple pain shots. They tried stitching him up, did what they had to do, kept it clean um, to get from infected, which considering where they were, that's that's not that easy. It is a very hot and humid um, environment out there, lots of bugs, um, you know, it's the jungle. That whole that whole area is carved out of a jungle. There's lots of interesting things that float around out there. Um, so the fact that he didn't get infected, you know, didn't really get extra sick uh, from all that is is somewhat surprising. And you know, some of that has to do with you know late twenty twentieth, early twenty first century medicine as well. But um, you know, those guys did a good job. And of course, Danny screwed it on when he had to, and and did the business and did a damn good job. I hate to say I'm I'm not surprised by that whole deal, but I'm not really surprised. And and it's by this: if you watch at the end of the race, and when he's finished on the box, or even when he does it, and they, you know he's pulled into the pulled into the garage at the end of the race, and you see Danny and um, Alberto Pug talking, you know Danny could win the race, which he has, um, and and Alberto's up there talking to him, breaking everything down immediately. And in a sense, criticizing him, criticizing, coaching him up, however, where where he could have done better. And that mental toughness has really started. I mean, and I'm sure this has been happening for a few years. We're just really, really seeing it play out this year, um, because of you know he's he's literally playing at the highest level here. Uh, but that training over these years, I think that's where something like this really, really pays off because he's got that mental toughness to suck it up for for an hour um, and you know kind of grind through it to you know to do the business to get on the podium uh, to make a further dent into the championship. He's what twenty two points back now, um, right? Let's uh, sorry, there's results. I just got to scroll down a little bit here to uh, to double check the points but i believe it's uh 22 points back now yep so um that could pay huge dividends here with with what four races left yeah four races left so we you got to give the kid credit credit which i have all year round it doesn't mean i can't have fun of it it has have fun at his expense um but it was really really a tremendous effort um and result by Pedroza and his whole crew for the weekend to finish third. And, um, you know, props to him. Uh, as far as the race for, uh, for the, for the win, um, you really couldn't ask for much more. Uh, you know, Caparossi and, and Rossi, just, just an epic bat- battle between them, you know, back and forth, three, four times a lap, swapping and uh, swapping it, um, you know, break different line, break it early, break it late. Uh, run wide, you know. I mean, Caparex pretty much on that last corner, let let it go, and um, tried to make the move on the inside. Outbroke himself, ran wide, and that's what Rossi needed. But Rossi had kind of did what Rossi does, which is you know set that gap. Um, although it was interesting because at the beginning of the lap, Caparossi had you know had gap Rossi by what two tenths there for at, at one point. On the end, and then Rossi just found either he found a little extra, or Caparex backed a you know, had it back off tire. Who knows what happened? Um, but those last four or five laps were absolutely entertaining between those guys. And and as I said, that's one of those deals where you have that on tape, 
and I'm sure someone's taken the last few laps and put it on YouTube by now. Had to have. Because um, that's what racing is about right there, you know? I mean, okay, granted, they didn't come side by side, you know, for photo finish uh, at the stripe, but damn, that was close and it was great. And you're just kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and got pumped up about that shit. So, um, as far as Nick Hayden, just not a good weekend for the kid. Um, just was that little bit off all weekend and, and just never got up there to, to really battle. He is always a couple tenths back and then, you know, a couple seconds back and ended up, uh, almost six seconds back, uh, at the flag you know, for the race. And I guess you could call that damage control. They, you know, they were testing a lot of parts and he was riding on a new chassis, which I don't know with four races left. Do you start, do you still mess with that kind of development of a new chassis? But I don't know, especially when you're going to a whole new bike next year. Hard to say. You know, I'm not saying that my conspiracy theory has gone away or doesn't still hold water about the whole, you know, Pedrosa versus Hayden thing with HRC, but who knows? Um, but Nick's really, really got to pull it out of the fire these last four rounds and do something. He's got he's got to throw at least one more win up there to, to cinch this thing. Um, otherwise, if he wins and kind of backs, I can't say backs into it, but in a sense backs into the championship here. Yeah, he's not going to get the credit that he deserves from from a wide audience for for taking the championship. If if that happens, you know, if he finishes on the podium, plays it safe, he, everyone well, he didn't go after it. But was he smart to do it? Yes, that's what you got to be. You got to be consistent. When when you got a bike for the podium, you got to put it on the podium. And when you don't have a bike for the podium, you got to maximize your points and don't push too hard and crash and kill your chances. So it's it's one of those no-win kind of situations at this point. You know, what do you do? Um, Modern-day Crevier actually ended up with a halfway decent race. He finished fifth. Uh, well, let's go through the results. Uh, Rossi, obviously, with the win. Caparossi, second. Hobbit, third. Nick, fourth. Modern-day Crevier, G. Bernal in fifth. Uh, Hopper with a good, solid run there in uh, in sixth spot. Kenny Jr. in seventh. Casey Stoner, another solid ride in eighth. Marco Melandri in ninth. Would have expected a little bit better from Marco here. Uh, Colin Edwards in 10th. It is what it is with Colin at this point. Um, I guess he's making a lot of noise, rightfully so, that he wants to know from Yamaha what they're going to do with him next year. Are they going to resign him or are they going to cut him loose? He'd like to know so he can start making plans for next year. Um, I would agree. You know, shit or get off the pot type of thing. Uh, Christopher Mullen in 11th. Another one of those I thought would have done a little better here. Uh, Cheka in 12th, Dupunier 13th, Tamata in 14th, Hoffman 15th, Ellison 16th, and uh, Cardoso in 17th position. So that is, and then as far as the points, Nick out on top, 214, uh, 192 for the Hobbit, 188 for the Doctor, Caparex 171, Melandry in 5th with 168, and then uh, Stoner 109 in 6th, Kenny in 7th with 101, Colin in 8th with 96, Hopper in ninth with 93, and uh, Shinin Nakano uh, wraps out your top 10 with 75. Um, also, uh, I forgot if that was off the MotoGP feed or somewhere else. Um, they're talking about Stoner just staying set where he is for next year and um, you know, staying with the LCR team, Chuck Anello's team on uh, on Honda bike, Honda support bike. To... Um, to finish up with the um, with the Colin and the Yamaha, the um, I guess what they're what they're waiting on, and would suss out a little bit of, of what's going on with Nick Hayden, is I think Yamaha the the theory is that Yamaha is waiting to figure out what's going to happen with Nicky before they decide what they're doing with Colin. If Honda is going to re-sign Nick then Yamaha would probably stick with Colin. However, if if Yamaha can grab Nicky, um, you know, then Colin is going to have to find a new home, whether that is in MotoGP or whether that is uh, back to World Superbikes. And then the question, of course, becomes what happens with the uh, Ducati Corsa team. And as the uh, dominoes begin to fall here, you know, the modern-day Crevier threw 
no effort of his own, excuse me, mm, sorry, may still end up with a uh, with the factory ride for next year. And if he does, you know, he should count as lucky stars uh, and go pray to his uh, his relatives and, and thank them for their uh, their influence from uh, from the great beyond for him sticking around on, on the second bike for for Ducati. So. Anyways, um, that uh, that uh, takes care of MotoGP. As far as 250s, it uh, was an absolutely great battle uh, between uh, Lorenzo Davizioso uh, uh, and DeAngelis throughout the race. Um, uh, Hiro Aoyama uh, looked to be strong. Uh, he was put in those first few laps. He was just smoking everyone as far as lap times. It was making the move, and then the bike expired on him, which I'm mean, sure he was pretty pretty bitter about. But, um, you know, kind of took him, he, uh, he got, I can't say, mechanical failure took him out. But the, but the battle until, like, literally the last lap and a half between Lorenzo Davizioso and DeAngelis was, was, was really good. And then, um, uh, um, who am I forgetting that was in there? I'm forgetting someone who was battling in there, and, they, and then uh, went down and picked up and, and still had a, had a pretty solid run, to, you know, to to salvage some points and I'm drawing a complete blank on the name. And as I'm looking at some stuff, I only have the top 10 in front of me. So that's why I'm oops. Hold on. Oops. Wrong thing. Here we go. That is why I am crap. Now I can't even find it. Where did it go? I can't find it. No, it's not. Denny Crane. No, it isn't that it is. Holy crap. I hit the old bed siren because I can't find anything. There it is. I am struggling. Exactly. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Oh, that, wait. <laughs> Sorry. That was the Susie part of that whole thing, right? Anyway, so uh, 250 race, uh, Lorenzo Divizioso, DeAngelis, Takahashi. Um, you know, he's <laughs> that boy's come back really, really strong. You know, he broke his arm, comes back, wins a race, um, you know, just finishes back a little bit here in, in fourth spot. He's, he, that kid's going to be going to be something to contend with for next year. Um, Locatelli, that's who I'm thinking. I mean, he crashed and uh, he was running up there, stuck his nose up there, and then uh, crashed out, still mount, remounted to finish fifth. So he, Locatelli with a with a really strong run. Um, I guess I should quit trying to shoot dice while I'm recording the uh, recording the show, huh? Uh, Shui Oyama in sixth, Gintoli in seventh, Simoncelli in eighth. Uh, Esperanza, Escargo, Escar, whatever, Espar, Escargo, Esperago, Esperago, that's his name, in ninth, and uh, Cluzel in tenth. Your points, Davizio, or excuse me, Lorenzo, 224. So the uh, the Lollipop Guild still on top. Uh, 212 for Davizioso. Uh, DeAngelis, 147, basically out of it at, not, at this point. Um, Takahashi in uh, fourth with 146. Locatelli, 138 and fifth. Uh, Hero. In uh, sixth with 132, Hector Barbara 111 in seventh. He went out early, uh, as you saw in that crash. Uh, Gintoli in eighth, 82. Simoncelli with 70 points in ninth. And uh, Shui in uh, tenth with 68 points. Your 125 results, Batista, Calio, Faubel, Simone, Olive, uh, Garea, Pessini, uh, Tomachi, Peshik, and Tyrrell. Your points, Batista basically has this thing wrapped up at this point with 255, uh, 188 for Calio, Pacini 156, Gadea 143, Faubel 139, Pesic 109, uh, Luthi with 94, uh, Tomashi with 89, jean 79, and uh, Corsi with 72. And uh, obviously everyone is on the ground at Phillip Island for this weekend's event. Um, teams are uh, on the grounds getting set up as we speak here at uh, just short of 7 o'clock Eastern Time on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, but I uh, already saw pictures that the uh, crews were setting up over there. So, anyways, super bikes. Let's get to those here. But before we get to the uh, super bikes, um, I think we should do something a little special before we get to, uh, to the super bikes. Let's hear from a couple people, and then uh, I think we got a little surprise for you. But... Uh, Let's hear from hear from a couple of guys first. Check out the next episode of Road Racer Podcast, the podcast about amateur motorcycle road racing, AMA news, and interviews with motorcycle road racers. I'm your host, John Bunce, an amateur. Missing in action. For more information.
information, check out RoadRacerPodcast.com. Hey, all you motorcycle nuts out there in podcast land. Are you looking for more Moto Chat to fill up your time between rides? My name is Prubert, and I am inviting you to check out MotoCast. Me and my co-hosts, Nate and Brandon, talk to you about anything from moto product reviews to great roads. And we may even toss in some special guests from time to time. So check us out at motocast.libsyn.com. That's motocast.libsyn.com. We're three riders that really like to talk. Listen up, everyone. If you ride a sport bike and you're not listening to the Knee Dragon podcast, you're not getting the whole story. The Knee Dragon podcast is motorcycle talk that doesn't suck. We cover all things sport bike related, from superbike and MotoGP racing to the newest street sport bikes, from riding technique to the latest technology. If it affects our sport, it's in the show. So check it out. www.kneedragon.net. So those of you that are coming to the to the uh, podcast here by virtue of the uh, press release, this won't come as a surprise to you because this is what brought you here. But for those of you who didn't see it or just you know got the automatic feed, as the uh, Gomer Pow would you like to say, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, I've been working on scoring this interview here for a couple weeks and uh, almost came to last week um like monday or tuesday last week but uh didn't didn't come off cuz it got a little too busy uh, they were too busy to do with the uh, with the photo shoot to get it uh, for me to have some time to get with him but uh here we go here's the surprise for you okay joining us here today on rumble strip radio very special guest he is uh the 2006 super sport and uh, super stock uh champion he's the first person since 1988 and Doug Poland to hold two championships in one season with the AMA. We're joined by uh, Yamaha rider Jamie Hacking. Jamie, ha- Jamie, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Glad to uh, be part of your show. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, got uh, got a few questions to get with you today here. So but I guess the the, uh, the one that you've probably talked about a lot lately is, um, is kind of the zone that you've been in here for most of the season. Um, you know, you just pretty much every, you've been either first or second in every race this year um is there anything in particular that that's brought you to this point this year uh you know i've been asked this a few times this year you know what brought you what got you in the zone and it's uh you know it's not a big surprise to me that i've the, the way i've finished this year i mean um you know the past two years previous prior to this event this year you know, I was always one or two in the top two in, in both classes and leading both championships. And, you know, one year we got hurt with the collarbone incident, and the last year we got hurt with our with our bicycle incident. So, uh, for me, I've been in the zone for the past three years. I haven't really done anything different than I did when I first won my championship back in 03. You know, I've really got a good routine of how I go about handling things now on a race weekend. And uh, I've just kind of continued doing that these past three years and you know this year really shined because we stay out of all harm's way and, and had a really clean season without any injury so it looks really good this year but um to me it's been looking good like this every year for the past four three four years yeah after you won that 03 championship and, and as you mentioned you had the collarbone injury and then the bicycle injury i mean do you think that all of a sudden you had you had the the, the good luck of the fortune with the uh, 03 championship and then all of a sudden you just couldn't catch a break uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's racing, you know, it's, uh, anything can happen, you know, what, what happened to me in 04, breaking my collarbone and, and dislocating my shoulder. We were just at a test session and, uh, you know, I was having to ride the 600 pretty hard with, you know, with Tommy, uh, getting a new bike and the, the pace had picked up a little bit and, uh, we were a little bit behind on, on our 600. So I was having to ride it just a little bit harder than I would have liked. And, you know, I, I did it at the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, we caught an unfortunate break there and, and happened there. And then, you know, the following year with the bicycle incident, that was just a freak thing. You know, it was just, just one of those things that happened. And, you know, this is how things go. Hey, I mean, in the in the past, didn't you, you used to do a lot of motocross training and you ran into a couple little niggling injuries off of doing that, didn't you? Like way yeah, back in the day? And then, yeah, and, I'm know, sorry. My background came from, my background came from motocross and so. You know, during my starting 
career of AMA road racing, I did a lot of motocrossing just because it was in my background. I loved to ride motocross a lot, and was I was really good at it. So, you know, that was a big part of my day of training and stuff. And you know, I just kept getting these nagging injuries, doing a knee or you know, or wrist or just those stupid things. And finally, you know, I had to finally give that up. I hated it, and I haven't rode a dirt bike since probably '01. So it's been wow. a pretty good while, and. uh it eats me up, but maybe, you know, when I'm done racing or something, I can get get back on one now. Pretty much, I just stick to four wheels now. Gotcha. And you, you, go, to the, you go to the bicycle, and, and, and I know you're doing a lot of uh, bicycle training here over the last few years. You figure that'd be a whole lot less dangerous than riding motocross, right? Yeah, that's what you figure. But, you know, somebody, somebody told me a quote, you know, uh, you know, you fall off a bike doing 150, 160, the ground comes you a lot slower you know because your projection is a little further faster and unless you hit something at wall but you know bicycle i was doing you know 28 30 miles an hour and you're going at slow speed and you just hit the ground really hard so it was uh yeah i mean it's definitely surprising that you can do all that damage doing 30 miles an hour yeah well, i've fallen off a bike doing about 30 and busted my collarbone pretty good so i've uh, been there you know i've experienced that a little bit so um yeah. This is probably a question you're sick of answering, but I uh, apologize, but got to answer it any or got to ask it anyways. Um, there sort of came a point, and I don't know if it was like O two or O three, where there was a real change in your approach or your style to racing. Where before you were sort of I don't want to call you a uh, Kevin Schwantz style, where it was win or bin, and now you seem to be very very consistent and um, and hardly a crash at all. Is there was there a change in your philosophy that caused that? Yeah, I was tired of getting up Monday morning hurting, so and being sore and having to recover, you know, from these crashes and stuff. And not only that, but just uh, you know, I was going into '03 after my terrible two years at Suzuki. Uh, you know, we had to come in at, in at Yamaha and, and really come back to those guys and and uh, put things together. And um, then you get tired of falling after a while. And, you know, it not only just puts you behind, but it also puts the crew behind a lot of time. And those guys do it. They put enough time in at the race shop. They don't have time to be messing around building bikes and fixing parts and all that kind of garbage. So, you know, just a little bit of consideration on both parts and, and you know, getting things together. And just makes the weekend go much smoother. And, you know, uh, it just makes it for a lot of stressful weekend. Sure. Um do you ever think about with with the uh, with the crashing that you did earlier in your career and with some of the injuries that uh, twenty years from now you're going to wake up and you know sort of be like NFL player like where you're going to have to it's going to be a struggle just to get out of bed? I I mean I'm a pretty active guy but you know that's that's a price we pay for doing something we uh, we enjoy you know and I, I and I'm fortunate to get paid to do it so. Uh, you know, if I have to suffer a little bit down the road, then I think it's well worth it. You know, I, love, I know I've, I've enjoyed my time racing. And uh, but like I said, you know, I'm a pretty active guy. I get up every day and do some stretches and just get out. I'm never just a couch guy, so uh, I don't think I'm worried about getting all stoved up. Gotcha. It's been, what, 10, 11 years now since you turned professional racing, road racing? Is it? Does it feel like it's been that long? Nine years. Nine years? Was it 05, 05 with, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, 96 with Ulrich or 97 with Kinko's? Ten years. Ten. 97 was my first AMA uh, event. Okay. So it'll be 10 years next year. Gotcha. Is it, does it feel like it's been that long or is it kind of flown by for you? Oh, God knows. It feels like it's only just started like three or four years ago. Going by. Good. I think that's a, I think that's good. You know, if you feel like you've been in it for fifteen, twenty years, you, know, you you get a lot of people starting getting burned out. But you know, I feel like I'm coming in my own and later on in my career. You know, just because I I didn't come into this road racing thing with a lot of knowledge, I didn't come into it with a lot of aspirations that I wanted to be top AMA guy. You know, I, I mean, it's just to me, it was just something that I was going to do for fun, and I ended up, you know, just getting dragged to the racetrack next thing you know i had a factory ride next thing you know i'm running up front next thing you know i got three titles so it's just uh 
it, it's a little different for me, you know, because I've had to learn these whole past few years, and it seems like now I'm coming into my prime where most guys are coming into the prime when they enter into AMA. So yeah. hopefully it's going to be a little bit, you know, a little bit longer, you know, that I can stay in the sport and continue uh, carry on and make the. I'd like to see the the sport improve in in a lot of areas, and I think I, I can help in that area. Um, you mentioned just a minute ago that you do a lot. You're pretty active and and um, uh, do a lot of training. And, and am I correct uh, that you and and Ben Spees do a lot of bike riding together? Yeah, me and Ben are really good friends. You know, we uh, spend a lot of time together, not only at the racetrack but on the road traveling. You know, we bust our coach and we'll stop. You know, if we're traveling across the country, we'll stop during the day and take a couple of hours out of our day and ride our bicycles a lot. And you know, I mean, we get to spend a lot of time and and talk and then we do we do a good bit of uh you know try to do some hunting in the winter and we just uh yeah me and ben are we get along really well you know he likes to train really hard for his age and uh i feel like maybe i can help help ben out in some ways down the road you know just just knowing a little bit more in road racing and stuff so but he's a pretty smart guy yeah i mean you guys are are separated by a few you know what 10 12 years in age and is it yeah how'd you guys Come to being buddies. Just seems like this whole generation uh, between you two, you know. Yeah, Ben's very mature guy for his age. I mean, you just got to really know Ben. A lot of people think Ben is uh, very shy and has no personality. It's just uh, you know, he would think for for a kid his age, he would just act like a stupid kid, you know, and run around and be an idiot. But Ben's. Uh, Ben's got a very smart head screwed on his shoulders, and he just likes to be around people that are older and a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more, you know, got some more uh, intelligence in him and stuff. So um, I think that's he kind of relates, you know, he, on that on that aspect, and just uh, you know, like I said, he, he likes to train really hard, and you know, I like to have Ben around, you know, we kind of push each other. So yeah, that's good. Um, now that you've uh, pulled something off that hasn't been done in almost 20 years, 18 years, um, are there a lot of demands on your time now that you've won uh, the two championships this year? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it's uh, the main thing right now is uh, getting our... Uh, getting our contracts together and, and that's taking up a lot of our time right now but uh you know just trying to get not only contracts but uh you know sponsors and people wanting to add you know what am i going to do and they've got a lot of things going down the pipeline so it does pretty much take up a lot of our time yep i understand well you you bring up um, a question that was next on my list here is uh contract for next year um, obviously, there a lot of rumors circular, circulating around uh, where you might end up. Um, anything sorting out on that yet? Uh, you know, we're, we're still in, in negotiations. And, uh, you know, when, it, when it's all said and done, then I'll be able to announce what I'm doing. But right now, you know, we're, we're, we're still in our Yamaha contract, and uh, we're still in any work for things. Gotcha. All right. Uh, last question for you is, um, as you say, you're sort of in the prime of your racing, um, maybe a little later than some people, but still a lot of racing left in you. Five, six, seven years down the road when you're done racing, what does is, what is Jamie Hackey, Hacking see himself doing uh, after he's done racing? Uh, you know, we've, we've thrown a few things around, you know, uh, opening up sort of some, some type of business with, with a motorcycle dealership, but I don't know if it's worth it or not, but... Uh, you know, uh, I'm always messing with cars, and it'll be, it'll involve something, or you know, I might just kick back and, and not do much or nothing. But uh, you know, it'll it'll involve something, either of some small business, and you know, it involves cars or bikes or something like that. And you know, I always I always have a little aspiration to do some rallying. You know, I'd like to do that, maybe give that a shot, and. Uh, you know, just get in the car and see a little bit what I can do. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, Jamie, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here on uh, Rumble Strip Radio. Uh, good luck to you at the uh, last round here at Mid-Ohio, and uh, we'll look to talk to you in the future. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for calling. All right. Thanks, Jamie. 
So thank you once again. Very, very, very big thank you to uh, to Jamie Hacking for taking time out of his day uh, to do the interview here with us. And also thank you to his uh, lovely wife, Rachel Hacking, for helping to set that up. So, uh, this is, you know, continuing to do, get the interviews in here towards the end of the season and um, got some interviews already set up, ready to go for uh, for when we go down to mid-Ohio, provided the world doesn't blow up. I mean, more in, in my sense, the world doesn't blow up and my karma doesn't overtake me once again. Uh, but some uh, some good interviews uh, already got set up, ready to go once we get down to mid-Ohio. In fact, I think Friday at lunch is the, uh, it's the first set of interviews I'm doing down there. So... Um, we'll have some more for you. Probably, I don't, I don't know if I can get any done for next week. Well, we'll take a week off from interviews next week. And then, uh, like I said, we'll have a lot, a uh, lot of interviews, not only from mid Ohio, um, right after the last AMA round there, but, uh, we'll put some in the can to, um, to put out over, uh, over the you know few weeks and into the, uh, you know, end of the race season. But anyway, so enough, enough of babbling about that. Um, world Superbike, We're at uh, Lausitz ring in Germany, and uh, once again, some absolutely fantastic racing um, in the World Superbikes. Um, let me touch on World Supersport real quick, and uh, didn't really get a chance to watch the race um, that Speed showed yesterday, uh, but Safaglu, props to him for backing up the win um, at Aston with uh, with another win at uh, at Lausitzring, and um, yeah, I guess it goes to show that the uh, the Turk is, uh, is for real there, and um, yeah. I'm sure that uh, the Tenkata crew is very, very happy with that. Excuse me. But um, as far as uh, the World Superbike race, um, in in race one, you would swear that Troy Corser, or excuse me, Troy Corser, Troy Bayless was doing everything he possibly could um, to throw away the championship. I think what he ran off two, two or three times, he ran off the track and uh, just could not put that together. Uh, and it, I mean, he... Where was he? He was back like in twenty some odd position at one at, at one point, and ends up and, and makes his way back up into seventh seventh position. Yeah, seventh position there. Uh, and I'm sure that Lanzi pulled over for him. I th- I'm pretty sure Lanzi basically pulled over for him at the stripe because he was chasing down Lanzi again. Um, Tozlin didn't do himself any favors in in uh, in race one. He was he was up there, and then he ended up running as you know making some. Poor choices with, 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 I mean, he's got to score as many points as he can, um, so you can't fault him for trying to make the move. But, um, but man, did he really? He he was he got lucky in a sense. He stayed up on. He didn't screw up too bad, where he's able to keep the bike upright, recover, and and still finish ninth. But um, yeah, but JT there. Um, I'm sorry, JT. I shouldn't call him JT because as much as Nick Harris irritates me with his announcing. Jonathan Green is even worse. Oh my God! Oh, oh, Jonathan Green. Don't get my. We'll 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 save that. Uh, this you know yet another Jonathan Green rant for uh, for another day. But oh God, please tell me that wherever in the world that you know those of you not in the U.S. If you get um, for those of you out elsewhere in the world, which is about uh, about of a third of our audience here, um, that you don't you aren't subject to. Having to listen to Jonathan Green call a race, good God, is that guy brutal? I, I think I've heard high school kids, you know, doing you know high school radio sound sound better than than Jonathan Green. But anyways, uh, yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. So I'm getting getting off on a rant. I don't want to get off on and losing track of my thought. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, me lose track of my thoughts going off track. Wait a minute. Where is it? Twice in one show. Yeah, I gotta call myself out with the old bit siren there, don't I? So, anyways, um, Tozlin, you know, he's trying to do what he's got to do. You know, put it up there on top of the box to score points um, with the with a very, very, very slim chance that he has of, uh, of still retaining the championship. And I suppose he's um, riding with a little more confidence now that he's got his contract sewn up for next year uh, with Tenkata. So, I, I that's one of those things if you're sitting there thinking. Is he working a deal as much with HRC as he is for Tenkata to slide into um, for a MotoGP ride in 08? Which, as you spin the as you spin the uh, wheels of politics back in the back of your head and sort through some of the stuff, you got to wonder if HRC came to him and said, "Look, one more year on the uh, on the MotoGP bike, and we'll find a spot for you 
um, on one of our bikes come 08, which, you know, there should be at least one opening by then. Um, so anyways, um, you know, Bayless came into this, into this weekend with a chance to sew up the championship and, uh, based on race one kind of blew that opportunity. I mean, if he came out of this, um, out of this weekend with 101 points lead, um, he could have, he could have had the championship sewn up and, but didn't happen, especially because of race one. Um, and we'll, and we'll talk a little bit about race two. He recovered and actually rode smart in race two, given what happened in race one. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, Kageyama and, and Haga and Courser had a, had a great battle um, throughout the race. It was good to see Courser strong, looking good up there. Now, and the three of them battling like they did, does that have as much to do with, um, with Bayless not being up there? Hard to say, but who cares who cares the circumstances of the fact that it was a good race between the three of them battling um and then ha- uh Kageyama and Haga uh, going back and forth and and you know trading a little paint with each other uh and not taking each other out always good to see i mean great that these two guys are buddies you know they're they're best buddies and can go at it like this it was in a sense it's almost like uh like Rossi and Caparex um you know great buddies but come race time they'll go they'll go at it you know Ask no quarter, give none, and at the end of the day, they're still buddies, right? That's that's cool. I mean, what else? What else can you ask for in racing? Courser solid third. Um, Andrew Pitt solid performance for him in fourth. Alex Barros with a good race to uh, to end up fifth. Uh, just missing out there with, with with Pitt. Muggers in in sixth, trying to salvage what he can um, for the rest of this year. As, as I'm going to guess, he's not going to be with Tenkata next year. I haven't heard the official word on that, but you got to believe, um, given somewhat lack luster results here that he's going to be looking for a ride next year. Bayless pulls off a seventh, Lanzi an eighth. And here's another guy who might be looking for a ride next year. Uh, Toslin in ninth, Fonzie Nieto in 10th, Chris Walker 11th, Laconi. I would guess that Laconi is going to be the odd man out at Kawasaki for next year. Neukirker on the third. Um, uh, I'll start Corona bike in uh, 13th. And that wild and crazy guy, Steve Martin, 14th scoring points for uh, Patron for the uh, foggy team. And uh, Ruben's house last in points with uh, 15 in race one. Um, race two, another great battle there uh, between uh, Haga and Toslin. You know, Haga looked like he was going to pull it off. Then Toslin ends up uh, nipping it there at the end. You know, looking, you know, a little bit, little bit extra left at the end. And you're one, I didn't hear anything really from this, but I got to believe that uh, given how much stronger Toslin looked this weekend, not only is he riding with more confidence because he knows what his plans are for next year, but I gotta believe that um, that the Tenkata team's got that traction control system they've been working on, whether it's fully implemented or not. But you gotta believe, and by watching the bike here that, that, at this round, um, that at least they're making some progress on that. That they've implemented at least part of it, um, and that's got to account for uh, for a decent chunk of of Tozlin's results this weekend. Whatever whatever the case. Um, it's good to see yet another bike up there uh, with some consistency uh, to battle. And, of course, Haga have been really come around here this last half of the year, um, looking strong here the last few, especially the last few races, to uh, to battle up there. Troy Bayless doing the smart thing, didn't have didn't quite have it there. And instead of pushing uh, and maybe having disaster strike, you know, takes third-place points and moves on where I think he's got to finish, what, 13th or no, 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 not that far, not that far back, but like tenth, I, I think I'd have to do the math. Um, but I think if he finishes like tenth or better in race one at Imola, then that pretty much cinches up the championship for him. So does the smart thing, grabs the points, gets on the box, and you know does what he do. Kageyama uh, was a little bit way, was a little farther back, didn't have a strong uh, second race, but he finished fourth. Muggers in fifth again, solid run, and um, again one of those things leads you to believe that Tenkata. Uh, with with a couple results that Muggers had, I mean he's been there here and there, but then always faded at the end of the end of the race. Um, you got to believe that Tenkata is really starting to get the their their traction control system dialed in and uh, and working with with Muggers finishing fifth. So uh, sixth was Lanzi, two actually two decent races for Lanzi, about the first time this year. Uh, Fonzi Nieto in seventh, Fabrizio in eighth, Rubens Aus in ninth, and Chris Walker in tenth. So your points at this point, 
Uh, of course, he finished 14th in, in race two, and, and I apologize. I can't remember what happened to him. He had issues. I think, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a little blank. It was only yesterday, excuse me, <laughs> that the race was on, finally. Um, didn't really get good notes. I think I had something going on at the at the last half of the race. I got phone calls coming in. Uh, but anyways, not that any of you guys care about that. Uh, Bayless on top with 357. Haga in second with three, or excuse me, with 270. Toslin in third, uh, 264. Literally, you know, disaster has to strike Troy Bayless for, for Toslin to even have a shot at this point. But, uh, you know, maybe he can nip Haga for second for second spot. Uh, but that, you know, that's it. And then Courser back and forth with 211. Andrew Pitt in fifth with 210. Barros in sixth with 186. Kagiyama, uh, 177. Chris Walker, 134 and eighth. Lanzi in ninth with 133, and Fonzi Nieto in 10th with 127. Um, Curtis Roberts had a little bit better, um, little bit better action here this weekend. Still not coming out the way he I, I would ex- he probably expected when he took on that bike, but uh, making some progress. So hopefully uh, they'll get a test or two in before Imola. I mean, they, Imola is not till the end of the end of the month, beginning of, you know end of September. And uh, beginning of October, so hopefully they'll get a little more time on that bike, and they can get it set up, and he can at least uh, get a point or two here uh, before the season's out. You get Imola, and then at uh, what Magnicore is the last round. So we talked about uh, Safaglu coming back and winning uh, Supersport. Kevin Curtin was uh, second, Foray in third, uh, Robin Harms in fourth, uh, Nanelli on the, on the NCR bike in fifth. Uh, Jean-Luca Vizello in uh, sixth, and uh, so on down. Shambone back in tenth. Your points, uh, Kevin Curtin um, on top, 171. Uh, uh, Charpentier in second, 144. Brock Parks, 119 in third. And Safagalu uh, now up to to four spot with uh, 117. Harms in fifth with 107. So Kevin Curtin looking... Looking pretty good to take that championship. Just um, two, 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 30, not quite 30 points out front, 27 points out front. So um, good result, and the next round could lock it up for him. So with that, a lot of stuff we've uh, we've gone through today, uh, especially with the interview, going a little long, but uh, that's just a surprise. No one actually going, well, not really long, but uh, longer than we like to a lot. So we're going to get out of here with that. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show once again. As always, contact information. We welcome all feedback here, Uh, positive, negative, or indifferent, or just like to say hi. Drop us a line, rumblestripperradio at gmail.com. The website is www.rumblestripperradio.com, where you can subscribe on the site um, to the show through your favorite RSS reader. You can also, as we said, subscribe to us through iTunes. No longer just the music store. It's the movie store, too. Um, Pass the word around. Burn a CD. Pass it to your friends if they don't know how to deal with the podcast thing. But uh, until next week, and we will be back next week. Have fun. Be good. Keep it on two wheels. We'll see you next week. Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media, LLC, and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved.